Moral Revolution community, welcome back to our podcast. I'm so glad you joined us today. We're gonna dive into all things God's design for healthy sexuality. Let's talk about it. Hey, Moral Revolution listeners and watchers. If you're watching us on YouTube, we're excited to introduce a guest that is not new to our audience because we've had her on our blog a bajillion times because her <laughs> articles are genius. But now we're finally excited to have her on our podcast. This is Deborah Folletta, licensed professional counselor. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I love what you guys are doing at Moral Revolution. And any chance I get to partner with you, I'm all for it. Oh, that's awesome. We're so excited. I'm excited to partner more, and it's fun to actually see you. I'm like, this is great. I know. <laughs> uh, so Deborah is a mother of three with her fourth on the way. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and, an author of three books with two more on the way in oh the same gosh. year as her baby. Um, the books seem to correlate with the children somehow, that, you know? Oh if, I, if I accidentally end up having twins, like... <laughs> Because of the two books coming in 2021, it's going to be the shock of a lifetime. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, I'm going to do a quick shout out, everybody, because y'all know we love to resource you. And obviously, that's why we even do podcasts. But her books are the best resources. So yes. when you want to dig in on more of the topic of what we talk about today and then so much more, I'm going to just give you a little bit of information about her books. True Love Dates, which is probably the one we'll talk through and out of that topic the most today, is amazing. And that's actually how you can find her on Instagram as well as True Love Dates. Uh, but she also has the book Choosing Marriage, Love in Every Season. And then we're so excited about her two books that are launching in 2021, Are You Really Okay? and Married Sex. Will you tell us a little bit about those two? Because that's just super exciting. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a licensed professional counselor, but it's so funny because the past few years, I've really been focused in the relationship space. And my theme has always been healthy people make healthy relationships. And that's kind of my take on, you know, relationship advice. And up until recently, I feel like the church hasn't been totally ready to talk about mental health. Yeah. Um, there's been some recent events in the media, some pastors who've committed suicide and just some really hard things that have happened that I think have finally allowed the church to say, we're ready to talk about this stuff. And I've been ready. I've just kind of been slowly easing into it. So that's why I'm excited. The first book in 2021 is called, Are You Really Okay? And it's getting real about who you are, how you're doing, and why it matters. And it's the bottom line is that just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're healthy. Like we have to work out our emotional health, our mental health, our spiritual health, and our physical health. And I share a lot of my personal story of trauma depression and anxiety, panic attacks, medication, therapy. I mean, it is like a deep dive into that world. Um, and so I'm so excited about that book and the message that it brings. And then a little bit later in 2021 is a book called Married Sex that I'm co-authoring with a pastor, uh, a counselor pastor. He's, his name is Gary Thomas. I'm sure you've heard of him. He's a prolific author. And we're kind of tag teaming the male-female perspective, the counselor pastor He's in his 50s. I'm in my 30s. So it's kind of like a comprehensive guide to what married sex really should look like and why we as Christians should be leading the way and killing it when it comes to enjoying our sex lives. But that's not what's happening. So we're excited about that book coming out um, next October. I think I'm going to be your biggest, like, I'm going to be selling that for you. <laughs> Put me on your, like, 
your sales team because that is like, I'm like, that's what we talk about all the time. Now there's going to be a book where you can be like, read yeah, this. Read this book. Read, read this book. That's so exciting. Okay, so today we wanted to talk, like jump into the topic of um, really, and I, I think the best way to start it is your title of your first book, title of your movement of being true love dates was obviously a play on words of this old purity movement. So kind of not true love waits, but true love dates. Give us right. a little backstory to the why behind that. You know, I always want to start by saying it's not meant to be disrespectful in the sense that I really believe in the true love waits message with regard to the underlying principle that sex is something special. Yeah. You know, and I believe that with all my heart, but I just think that we took it to an extreme that we should have never taken it um, to the point where we were waiting so long that we were being passive with our own re relationships. We were being passive with our love life. We were being passive with dating because it's like, well, I'm waiting on the Lord. And we kind of assumed that waiting equals passivity. And then whatever happens, happens. This guy asks me out. He must be the one because I've been waiting. And then I date him. And then he turns out to be this crummy person because I was just passive in my love life. Or maybe I just waited for so long and now I'm 50 years old and I was never married because I waited and I waited and I waited twiddling my thumbs for years and never, nothing ever happened. So when I, when God put true love dates on my heart, it was more of offering an alternate approach that says, listen, you are responsible for your love life. The Bible says, guard your heart. It doesn't tell that guy over there to guard your heart. It tells you to guard your own heart, that you're responsible for yourself. And so it's, it's really a book about taking responsibility for your love life, taking responsibility for your personal health and how it impacts your dating relationships, taking responsibility for your dating relationships and taking responsibility for God's role in all of it. It's kind of a practical approach to dating, you know, instead of just running away from it. That's awesome. That is amazing. This book, honestly, even though I was reading through a few of the chapters, I'm like, man, it's starting to reshape even what I thought about dating or sex, even as you know, a youth group kid and learning about sex and learning about dating and what was right and what was wrong and what was okay and what wasn't. So I'm really excited to just even talk through some common myths about the purity culture or common myths about, you know, true love waits movement kind of thing. Um, the first one I think that is a big one that we as a church should be the place that resources people is the conversation around sex itself, right? So sex isn't really talked about in the church and or it was really shamed in the church or it was like sex equals bad and so people didn't know good things about it, right? Right, for sure. That's part of the problem that we're still seeing some of the after effects, you know. As a as a counselor, I work with married people who have been married for years and still haven't had intercourse. And and I'm not even kidding you. I mean, years. Sometimes there's a psychological underlying issue, but a lot of times the lack of sex or we sometimes use the term sexual anorexia that was coined by a, a man named Patrick Carnes, which basically means you're not having much sex in marriage because there's this underlying shame mm -hmm. that's been carried with them through the years that they just can't release themselves to the freedom 
and pleasure and enjoyment that comes with a healthy, a healthy sex life because their entire life, they've downloaded the message that sex is dangerous, scary, bad. And I don't know that I've ever heard a pastor say sex is bad, but the way that they have framed sex, premarital sex in particular, it's like, stay away from it, stay away from it, stay away from it, stay away from it. Oh, you're married now. Live it up. You can't just go from believing this thing was shameful and bad and dirty to next thing you know, just do whatever, have fun, enjoy it. Your brain's not wired to just make that random turn, turn that sharp corner. Um, and so I think what it comes down to is changing the way that we view sex, seeing it as so good, it, but, but understanding we wait because God wants us to enjoy ultimate pleasure, not because he wants to um, keep us from ultimate pleasure, you know? So just really working on reframing how we have that conversation is so important. It is. So and like you said, maybe you haven't heard a pastor actually say sex equals bad, but I feel like the way I always think of it is sex is just no. Like it's mm -hmm. all no. Like it's no, no, no. Like don't talk about it. Don't watch it. Don't think about it. And so if it's no, 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 realizing, no, God actually said yes to it. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. It's all yes, yes, yes. The only no was outside of marriage. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what changed it for me. I mean, I remember being a young adult and sitting down with my mentor and just struggling. I mean, I was tr at that time in my life, I was struggling with sexual sin. And I remember her sitting down in front of me and saying to me, you need to thank God for this desire. And I'm like, what? What do you mean, thank God for it? Like, it's causing me to sin. And she's like, you need to be grateful that God has given you this beautiful sex drive that will one day be used for his glory. Yeah. And something about that transformed my perspective, which then impacted my heart. Like, when I was able to see this sex drive, and, and this desire for sex as something beautiful that God had gifted me for a purpose. It's going to come in handy. This is good. This is supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be ashamed of it and shove it down and try to pretend it doesn't exist. But, but allow that drive to bring me to Jesus in gratitude. Yeah. All of a sudden, I wasn't running away from God and trying to hide like Adam and Eve. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to come to you with this. And I was able to break free from sexual sin because of that perspective shift. Wow. What, what broke me away from sexual sin wasn't the shame and the guilt. And this is horrible. This is terrible. I can't believe you're stuck in this. What kind of Christian are you? That didn't work. What broke, what helped me break free was the realization that this is God's gift. And I want to use this gift to the best of my ability and that's what shifted my perspective and really empowered me to be able to take those next right steps. So I think our perspective on this is so important before marriage, but then also how it impacts us within a marriage later on. That is so beautiful. It's so powerful. And I'm like, I love these types of moments because I'm like that moment you had on a couch somewhere or something with your mentor. It's like, can now have that same moment for listeners now who are like, yeah. I've never thought of it that way. I've never heard it and really totally. lead to their freedom and breakthrough. Um, so I wanna take us off course for a second on the myths because I wanna sit on that one for a second because I'm just picturing people listening like, oh wow, I could thank God for the sex drive. Yeah. Never thought of that before. But what did you do next to 
thank him for it, but to stop sexual sin, because you're like, oh, well, like it's very <laughs> alive and active. How did you not live sexually tortured? <laughs> you know, first and foremost, um, talking to her about it was a huge relief. You know, like when we talk about breaking free from sexual sin, we talk about bringing it to the light. And a lot of people email me and tell me that they're struggling with sexual sin and they think that's bringing it to the light, but I don't know them. I'm not going to see them. I'm not like their neighbor or their church friend. I'm on Instagram. Like they don't have a real interaction with me and that's not bringing it to the light, you know? So bringing it to the light means bringing it to somebody who is a real live human being that's going to be in your face and that's going to know and care about this just as much as you do. And so bringing it to her and one other person in my life at the time, I remember, um, was a huge step in the right direction for me of breaking free and then setting up boundaries and barriers. Um, Eventually that led to me breaking up with this guy that I was dating that just wasn't there wasn't healthy patterns there. So, so it's like this internal work that was happening while I was building external barriers to protect me. You know, you can't do one without the other. You can't have the external barriers of saying, we're not going to touch here. We're not going to do this, but then you're not doing the internal work because you can get around those external barriers. Like you have to be doing the internal work along with the external work. Wow, that's, that's so perfect. Yeah. That is so huge. I even just think of that as like a single woman now. I'm in a relationship and there have been moments where things have been hard and you've had thoughts of like, oh my gosh, it'd be so easy to cross this boundary. But what I hear you saying is like, keep sex sacred. Like we're not, we're not nixing the conversation altogether. We're not shaming the conversation, but we're keeping sex sacred and we're understanding the beauty, the beauty and the sanctity behind it because God created it. God wasn't a prude. Yeah. He knew what Adam and Eve were doing in the garden. He wasn't surprised by it. So I think the way that you just communicated it, man, I think that just lifted even just shame off of those listening and any residual shame that was even on myself. Well, that's the thing about shame. It, it pushes us away from God, who ha- who's the only one that has the power to actually help us in the situation. So the more shame we heap, the more guilt, the further we get, the harder it is to break free. But when we can change that shame into thanksgiving and gratitude and praise, it draws us closer to him mm-hmm. because he doesn't love us because of our sin or lack of it. He loves us because of who he is. And as we draw closer to him, we're more empowered to break free. But that's just not what's happening. Like you, like this whole conversation is because there's been too much shame yeah. heaped on people that has caused separation. Yeah. And that separation has caused a greater inability to break free from the very thing that they feel ashamed about. So it's a, it's a, it's a bad cycle, you know? Yeah. It's funny because a lot of the, the coined phrase has become like the toxic purity culture. Yeah. And every time I hear it, I get so many mixed feelings because I'm like, purity is not toxic. I'm like, really, it should be called toxic shame culture. Because I'm like, that's the toxic part. That's it. (laughs) That's the part that, of course, the enemy tried to bring something into purity to make it feel like toxic. I'm like, no, it's not the purity that's toxic. It's the shame. It's the silence. Like, it's the isolation. It's the hiding. Like, I'm like, that's what's toxic. So I love that because it really is. It's realizing shame is at the core root of all of this that is causing people to not have good sex lives and marriage to not know what to do when they're single because they're like, I don't know. I feel so much shame. 100%. And I think so many people, that you know, I love that we're doing this subject today. 
I will tell you this, the, the, the podcast episode about sex drive and, and, and the single life is the number three most downloaded episode on my podcast. I have a feeling this episode is going to be one of the highest downloaded because people are secretly dealing with this. Yeah. Whether it be struggling with their view of sex, whether it be pornography addiction, whether it be masturbation addiction, whether it be whatever, like sexual sin, sexual addiction. And then, and then there's just so much shame and people are feeling so stuck. So I just, I'm just so happy that you guys are tackling this subject. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, we're glad we're to be tackling glad it with us. you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. One of the so, other myths yeah. that obviously ties right into shame is the myth of like your damaged goods. Like yeah. your virginity is the only valuable thing that, and then once it's gone, you're damaged goods. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I remember sitting in youth group when I was like, I don't know, 13, 14, and we were having like the sex conversation. And I remember our pastor using the analogy of um, you know, those who've had sex before marriage are like chewed up pieces of gum. And I remember just sitting there thinking, okay, that's bad. You don't want to be like that. That's bad. But it didn't take into the heart of the people who might have had a colorful past or had made choices that they definitely regretted or moved away from. And they're walking in purity now, but they still have that, like we just talked about, shame following them. And now they have analogies talked about them, chewed up pieces of gum. I've ones like wet napkin and all these different analogies that just kind of made you know whether you're a man or a woman who've had a past feel like man I don't know that God's redemption is even available for me right I remember hearing the the tape that's no longer sticky mm-hmm. yeah like gets stuck to so many things or or two pieces of paper and then you try to rip them apart and then it's all messed up and <clears throat> the truth is there is a level of truth in the sense that sexual sin and struggles reap sexual sin and struggle consequences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the truth. Your past will shape you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't define you. That's the difference. It will shape you, though. Okay. And to say that it, it won't shape you would be the extreme. Yeah. And we definitely don't want to go there either. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Christians do elevate virginity as if it's like the prize of all prizes, um, which is kind of ironic because in the Muslim culture, I only know this because I'm of Middle Eastern background in the Muslim culture, virginity is also the prize. Like you, you get to heaven and what you get like 40 virgins. If you're a man, like Uh, We don't want to start resembling that. Do you know what I mean? That's not Jesus. That's not his message. That's a completely different thing. And, and sometimes we elevate virginity to this level. It is a beautiful gift from the Lord and it's important, but sometimes we elevate it so much while neglecting other important things. Yeah, so true. You can be a virgin and have completely unhealthy emotional IQ. You cross the lines and boundaries with people emotionally or spiritually, and you're completely unhealthy. So you got to work on that stuff too. You know, that's the problem is we elevate virginity and then we ignore all the other aspects. And when we do that, we're doing the entire conversation. Um, we're, we're, we're being so unjust to this whole conversation when we don't see every part of us as important and holy and set apart. 
and we just focus on this physical thing and 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 also focus on it as if it's like this um once and done situation like if there hasn't been penetration i'm still a virgin so i'm good to go and there's a lot more to sex and purity and holiness than penetration you know well, and the consequences of, like you said, the sexual sin consequences that come. Because for me, I was technically a penetration or a virgin by penetration. <laughs> like <laughs> I had never had intercourse before, but all of my other sexual sin in past, I'm like, I had just as much bonds to break and yeah. spiritual stuff to break off. That I'm like, I faced the consequences of those actions. And so even when I first became a Christian, the first lie like a Christian guy told me was like, you can have everything, like you can do everything but everything sex, but, yeah. like it's all allowed. And so I just believed him because I'm like, I didn't know yet. I hadn't been to the True Love Waits conversation <laughs> in church yet. So I'm like, he's been here longer than me. He must know that's allowed. And so all of these moments that just led to so much. And I even just think of the scripture in First Corinthians that says like, there's a sense in which sexual yeah. sins are different from all the others because it's a sin against our own bodies. And I've just, yeah. That's the 100% truth. That's where we have to go with this. Seeing sex, it's not, you don't avoid it because it damages you. I mean, the truth is we're all already damaged. Like before Christ, we're all, we've already done the, we're already damaged. It's not because it's going to damage us. It's because it's going to damage our future relationships. And it's going to have an impact and it's going to inhibit us from enjoying sex at its best. So when you look at it that way and you think God wants to do this for me, this is because of the work he is doing in me. This is teaching me self-control. This is teaching me holiness. This is, this is creating a maturity in me. This is allowing me to um, reserve my sexual template for arousal by my future husband or future wife. It's for me. It's not, because it's going to damage me. And, and when you shift that perspective of why God is wanting us to reserve this thing, it just makes so much more sense. And again, it takes away the shame because it's not about us. It's about what God is doing. Hey guys, one of the most common questions that we get at More Evolution is which book do I start with? We have quite a few to choose from, but one of our staff favorites is The Naked Truth About Sexuality by Havilah Cunnington. It is gold when it comes to learning about how sex affects your spirit, your soul, and your body, and you guys got to check this out. Check it out on our website. Even our our view and narrative surrounding who God is to us really comes into play in this. So if we believe that God is mean or we believe that God is distant or punishing or cruel, we're going to believe that in our singleness, God withholds fun from us. So we can't have sex because God's not allowing us to. He's mean. Or like if we're married, we're going to believe that the sex life we had was because God's punishing our marriage, whatever that may be. And I think everything that you're saying so is so true and it ties into our view of God. How do we view him? If he's a good father, then in our singleness, we need to understand that, you know, Psalms 84, 11, he, withhold no, he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. It's yes. gonna speak to us. He's not withholding yeah. fun from us by saying, hey, it's probably not a great idea to have sex. You shouldn't do it before marriage. <laughs> like he's not withholding fun from us and asking that. 100% and something I wanna add 
this is off subject, but I feel like I have to insert this. And in, in are you really okay? One of the one of the chapters I talk about in our the spiritual section about spiritual health is our view of God and how it's shaped. In the counseling world, we have this term called transference, where you take your own past issues and you transfer them on another person. Usually it's the counselor, for example. I mean, I share this creepy story of how one of my patients like totally transferred his stuff onto me and almost attacked me. All that to say, you have to go read it to, to learn more. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say here is we have a tendency to transfer our early childhood wounds and hurts and beliefs onto the face of God. And so many times if you feel stuck and you're unable to see God as good, loving, for you, there is usually some childhood trauma, childhood experience, childhood wounds, childhood negativities, early experiences that haven't been worked through. And you're projecting those on the face of God. But he's like, that's not who I am. You know, I'm not that person. And, and all of that sin that we might have experienced or things that were done to us outside of our will we, we transfer those hurts onto God. So I just say that because I'm like, if you're out there and you're thinking, man, I have a terrible view of God. I don't even know where to begin. That's where you begin, you know, and, and counseling can be a huge part of that process. Yeah, wow, that's, that's good. That's very true. We're huge advocates for counseling. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I you guys are. Awesome. Um, okay. One awesome. of the other myths we thought we'd tackle is the like, if you wait, you're going to have the best sex ever. Yeah. You are entitled to this explosive honeymoon night if you have waited and abstained from sex all through your single season. I think this is one of my favorite myths to address because I always say just because you wait doesn't make it great. I mean, that is the bottom line. It doesn't. I mean... In Choosing Marriage, the, the one chapter about sex, I start with talking about our personal honeymoon story. I almost hesitated to share it because it's kind of like, but I will tell you this, I didn't share our names. So the first like two pages, you're reading this detailed story about a honeymoon and I didn't share who it was because I didn't want everyone picturing me and John, but I guess now I gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, our honeymoon was so awkward. <laughs> it was like a disaster. I mean, we hardly knew what we were doing. And then somebody left us this like, this like KY jelly that heats up. Oh, I, oh my Lord. Like it was a disaster. I like, it was like burning our private areas and it was terrible. Who would think that's a good idea? People think it's great. Okay. I thought I was going to die. Maybe this is too much information, but I, I share all this (laughs) to tell you that we waited. And it was not great. I remember, I remember laying in bed after our honeymoon and John was probably thinking the same thing. And I'm like, this is what I waited for. Like, this was not, this was not amazing because you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's not like the promises you waited. Good job, Deb. Good job, John. Here you go. Enjoy the fruits of your labor. No. What the gift was in the intimacy that we got to share with each other. And the gift was growing together in this beautiful experience with little baggage. You know, I, I brought some baggage in. He brought pretty much no baggage in. So, you know, we still had some baggage to deal with. 
But all that to say the gift was in being able to do this thing together and to have this exclusive partnership and not to have to deal with all the extra peripheral stresses and consequences and baggage. That was the gift. But just because you wait, that's not what makes it great. We don't wait because of what it will do for us. We wait because of what it's doing within us. That's why we wait. We wait because God is creating something. He's shaping our character. He is teaching us how to leave sexual sin on the sideline so that we don't bring that stuff into marriage. You know, I talk about this. I know you guys talk about it. Just because you get married, it doesn't mean all that sexual struggle disappears. So part of waiting is an act of obedience to God as he is purifying us and refining us and getting us healthier and preparing us for marriage. But it still takes work when you get there. A whole lot of it, a whole lot of practice. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love it. I've, I've got to pipe this in because it, hearing it through this lens that we're talking about it is my husband definitely was raised in the purity culture that some might call toxic. Um, and he, I, he's never talked a bunch about the shame aspect because he, he totally waited, like he had probably zero reason to have shame. But he was the entitled prideful one of yeah. like, no, but like he had him and his best friend had a rule that they wouldn't date a girl that had done anything below the belt. So it was the below the belt rule, which then oh. he married me. So that's funny. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, <laughs> jokes on you. No, but, um, but then he also had definitely that mindset on our honeymoon of I've waited my entire life for this. I'm going to have the fireworks. He always jokes and says, I'm going to have like the porn movie I've never seen. Like he didn't <laughs> even know what to imagine, but he just thought it'd be the best ever. And same thing, it was a total disaster. We literally called our pastors on speakerphone, like we don't even know what to do, we don't know how to do this, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and we had way more complications, but it's just so crazy to think that those moments of failed honeymoons and failed expectations in the bedroom probably lead to failed marriages, because then people are like, wait, this is what it is? I, why did right. I wait for this? I should have had more sex, or I should have done more, yeah. realizing, no, 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 the, the wait is, the part of that gift is the discovery together. Like you talked about the intimacy and the discovery of, we get to discover each other's things. It's not all of the preconceived, oh, you know how to do this. Like, I don't want you to know how, I don't. Right. We yeah, wanna discover right. it together and be able to have that intimacy uh, of yes. just, just yeah. the two of us. I, I got an email from a woman who divorced her husband because they didn't have sexual chemistry and they just couldn't overcome it. But you know, when I read her email, I just thought to myself, nobody has sexual chemistry. Like in the beginning, like how are you, you don't have sexual chemistry because you're developing the chemistry. It's, it's something you develop. It's something you create. You're not, you're not equipped with it as you enter marriage. Um, and so, and, and for those who enter marriage with baggage, what ends up happening is there's a lot of expectations you have to undo in order to begin creating healthy sexual chemistry with your spouse. So all that to say, we wait because of what it does inside of us, because of what the Lord is doing in our hearts and our souls and our minds, because the, we're learning self-control, we're learning obedience, we're learning trust, we're learning boundaries. That's why we wait. And it, it makes us healthier. And when we're healthier, we have healthier relationships. But we don't wait because of the guarantee of, going to lead to great sex because that's a process yeah. exactly and i feel like that mentality even like values the orgasm more than it values the heart to heart connection with another person like that you're spending a life with i think right. that 
even as a single, it's so easy to sit and dream like this is what it's going to be like and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be fireworks in the bedroom and all this stuff. But I think when we boil it down to just it being about pleasure and orgasm, it, it starts to get kind of selfish and we start to feel entitled to something that we're building with another person when it's not about that. It's about, build, like you said, building a life, a lifelong covenant with another person. And I think you're so right. It's got to be an internal choice that we make to walk in purity. It can't be an external choice. We can't have someone make that choice for us because when a tempting moment comes, it's going to be so easy to just sacrifice it or give it up. It's got to be an internal choice we're making with the Lord that's unto our relationship with him, not unto us having an amazing sex life. It's unto mm. the Lord. Right. Exactly. And virginity is, is not this line that you cross and it's over. Yeah. And then it's like a free for all after that. Well, I'm not a virgin, so I might as well. Because each, ex each sexual experience is another um, piece of baggage that you're going to have to deal with at some point. Yeah. So when you look at it, you might have a dozen pieces of baggage already, but you don't want three dozen more. Yeah. Like that's why we're motivated to say, you know what, even though I messed up in the past, I don't need to keep heaping baggage and stress and complication over my future relationships. I can, I can start changing the narrative today. When we see it as this once and done thing, it's like, well, I crossed the line. I might as well keep crossing it. But that's not the proper perspective. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good. Yeah, that's such, such a, a good, good shift. Point. Honestly, that's that's a whole myth right yeah. there. Is the whole yeah, virginity is just a line that once I'm there, I'm already across it. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to wrap up, and we want to make sure everybody knows about this because there's so much more. We could talk about this for hours. We could talk about it for days. So make sure you get Deborah's book, True Love Dates, if you're like, I want to hear more about this. Um, but I thought it would be great to wrap up, Deborah, of just like, so we've kind of addressed that whole like toxic purity culture. What do you think, like share a bit just on like, what is the remedy? Like how do we, we don't want the extreme yeah. of where there's people that obviously are running from the shame, which is the, the root of what they should be running from, yeah. but then throwing out kind of the baby with the bathwater of just saying, oh, purity culture is awful. Bold. It's all bad. Yeah. yeah. What would, what, what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think kind of going back to how we, what we discussed a little bit earlier on is making sure that we've reframed our perspective and that it's a proper perspective rooted in truth. Yeah. Um, it's sex saying no to sex is not like saying no to drugs. <laughs> you know, it's, you're going to have to say yes to it at some point in, a, in the context of a healthy marriage. So we've got to stop presenting it that way. Um, I think it's important for married couples to also join the, the discussion and talk about the beauty and joy of sex in marriage because we talk so much about the danger and trials of sex before marriage without giving enough weight to the beauty wow. of sex done right, sex done well, you know? And I think when you have something like that to to aim for, to strive for, and to say, you know what, I, I want to reserve these things for this intimacy and, and I want to become healthy for my future relationships. It gives you an extra motivation. You know, you, you don't see it as just virginity. You see it as this whole process of becoming a healthy person and, and your sexual and physical purity is part of that process. It's not the entire thing though. There's so much more. You know, it, it's this, it's this big, beautiful puzzle 
with different pieces. It's not just, are you a virgin? Yes or no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think when we can change our perspective and see it as a holistic journey of health, because I want to be healthy for my future relationship. I want to be the best I can be so that I can navigate these things one day and be healthy in how I communicate, how I express my feelings, how I handle my, my sexual temptations, how I discuss conflict. Like the, these are all important. It's not just about virginity. There's so much to becoming a healthy person. So I think it decreases the shame when we view it like that. And then it, it empowers us to say, okay, there's a lot I can do. And everything I'm doing today has a direct impact on the health of my future relationships. And if I never get married, it has a direct impact on the health of the relationships in my present with my community, with my family, with my friends. Because if I'm healthy, I'm going to have healthier relationships all around. So I just think it really comes down to changing the way that we have this conversation and, and, and bringing balance to how we talk about it. Love it. So good. Love it. And I (laughs) so agree with, we need married people to be talking about sex. It's, we're obviously all still living in the fruits of that movement. So you're like, you're still probably in churches where maybe they're not talking about it yet. Maybe it's not shamed, but it's just very quiet or the idea of marriages sharing about sex. Like I remember when I first ever posted, like we have the best sex ever. I'm like, this probably feels very weird, but I'm like, they're watching it on every TV show, singing about it in every song. Like for me to be able to say married sex is amazing. Singles (laughs) need to hear that. Yes. So it's so exciting. Thank you so much for being with us. This was amazing. And we're excited for your book, Married Sex, next year. (laughs) I'm I'm excited for the other one. (laughs) Oh yeah. Are you really okay? (laughs) So thank you so much for being with us. And you guys can connect with Deborah. We'll have the links to all of her stuff in our show notes. See you next time. See ya. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to learn more and check out all of our awesome content, be sure to head to our website at moralrevolution.com and our socials, Instagram, Facebook, all of them. But before you leave, don't forget to like, review, subscribe, all of the things. We want you guys to come back and join us. We enjoyed having you. See you next time.